Good morning, Cornerstone. I'm Pastor Bill, and it is so good to be back together again. I haven't seen most of you since before Christmas, so it is really sweet to be with you. As Pastor Hojan said, we are beginning a three-week focus on global missions here at Cornerstone um, for, for the, to begin the month of February. And during these three weeks, we're going to hear mission stories from Cornerstone people people who have, have been attended Cornerstone, and some people that we have supported, in some cases for over 10 years, in their mission work. Our theme scripture for this series is Acts 1-8, where Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there are four purposes or goals for these next three weeks for us as a church. The Global Missions team sat as they planned this, and these are the goals, and I'll remind you of them next week as well. The first is to be inspired to a trifocal vision of Jesus's mission, that we would each find our part in local, regional, and global mission so that the love that we've received from Christ, the love that we share together as brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we intend to share that with others. That's the first purpose. The second purpose is to inspire us to pray for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on us in our individual lives for our witness to Jesus in the world. The third, third purpose of our, our global missions focus is to become aware of the incredible diversity and creativity and innovation going on in missions in this generation. Right now, there are incredible kinds of new ways to think about how do we share the love of Jesus? How do we minister? How do we protect those who are vulnerable? And do that as our mission as witnesses for Jesus. And also, we want to become aware of some of the challenges of global missions in this generation. And then our third purpose for, or our fourth purpose for these three weeks is to pray that we at Cornerstone would expand our effectiveness at being witnesses for Jesus in Boston, in our region, and around the world. So our first mission stories this morning are going to be from Katia and Brent. Katia was here, um, part of Cornerstone, through her years at BC, and we were her spiritual support group when she went to Southeast Asia, where she worked with sex workers. While she was there in Southeast Asia, she met Brent. They went to a, a conference on business as mission in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and they got married this last year. And earlier this week, they recorded this to share with us. So watch the screen. Hi, everyone. My name is Katia, and this is my husband, Brent. And we are currently based in Washington, D.C., and today we're going to share a little bit about our stories and visions um, and answer some questions that the pastoral team has asked us to answer. Um, so a little bit about, my, about me. I attended Cornerstone for about six years. I went to Boston College and during my junior year, I went to Uganda for a vision trip with InterVarsity and an organization called Child Voice. Uh, which is a faith-based organization that provides restorative counseling and vocational training um, to former child soldiers. And that's where my uh, passion sparked to serve women and girls in dangerous and vulnerable positions. 
Uh, so after graduating from BC, I went to Thailand to uh, work with an anti-trafficking ministry where I managed the social enterprise branch um, of the ministry, which hires women who have left or are at risk of entering the sex industry. Um, yeah, and then I came back to the U.S., found myself back in Boston for a job opportunity, um, but I also found ways to support local organizations serving women and girls in vulnerable positions, um, organizations such as Route One and Amira. And if anyone is interested in learning more about these organizations, please feel free to reach out. And now in D.C., I work with Care International, where I support projects to elevate voices of women and girls in crisis settings uh, through gender-sensitive humanitarian response. So that's a little bit about me, and I'll hand it off to Brent. All right. Yes, I'm Brent. Um, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, and I guess my uh, story and mission starts about eight years ago. I was asked to um, join a project in Central Asia to start a software company employing local programmers. I ended up living there almost four years. Um, yeah, I stayed with the host family, learned the language. I uh, was just immersed in culture, really enjoyed it. And um, along the way, found a lifelong passion, vision to do business for transformation. Um, the term business for transformation is used for for-profit businesses, um, but businesses that are um, that also impact communities and spread the gospel in unreached areas. Um, so Kati and I actually, we met at a Business for Transformation conference. Uh, we both attended a conference in Thailand and yeah, I invited myself on one of her walks with Jesus and yeah, found another lifelong passion, I guess. <laughs> so we got married about eight months ago um, and moved to DC just a few weeks ago. So one of the things that we're both... Um, yeah, I guess that's part of our vision statement is that we just believe that God has called us to use our gifts and our resources to make Jesus known. Mm -hmm. And yeah, particularly in places that are um, vulnerable, Katya mentioned, um, you know, in the sex industry, but also uh, just people who are under-resourced or unreached by the gospel. So yeah, there's a Hebrew word that we've adopted as sort of our our mission statement, I guess. It's the word avoda. Uh, it's used throughout the Old Testament, um, but when it's translated to English, we either translate it to work or worship or service, uh, depending on the context that it's in. Uh, but in the original um, Hebrew, it's actually the same word used for all three of these. They didn't distinguish between their work and their worship. They considered all of these just service to God. And so... We want to take that concept and we really believe that our work and our ministry should also be done as worship to God. So particularly um, doing what is called business for transformation, um, which also can be called business as missions. But it it not only unlocks access to um, restricted nations and communities that otherwise might not be as welcoming, but it really just allows you to connect with communities in a very um natural way, um, and also honor and empower people, live authentic lives, truly authentic lives in places that really would not look kindly on missionaries. Yeah, and for me, uh, I remember in my earlier walks with um, Christ, I prayed a prayer um, 
to break my heart for what breaks his. And at the time, what broke my heart was the reality of the vulnerabilities that women and girls face in this world. Um, yeah, and that passions and yeah, that passion remains the same in terms of serving women and girls in vulnerable positions. It just looks different in different seasons in life. And going back to Avoda, uh, we have this little avocado, which sounds like Avoda. Uh, it's just a little cute little reminder for us to, yeah, always worship God in everything that we do. And, um, yeah, we pray and try to live our lives as ambassadors of Christ in whatever we are, uh, whatever we do and wherever we are. Cool. So, Katya, what excites you the most about um, about missions, especially in our current generation? Mm, I will say that um, I'm excited about creativity and innovation. Um, there is no one way to do missions. Um, God created us, created us with unique gifts to be used in unique ways. Um, so we just have to find yeah, creative ways to uh, use it, whether overseas or here in the U.S. And there are so many ways to combine your passions um, and mis uh, with missions. Um, so, example, I know someone who opened a coffee shop in a vulnerable community uh, to be a safe place for people to meet or kids to have access to Internet um, to study. So there are just very many creative ways to combine the two. And we live in a Zoom world where we have meetings all day, every day. Um, but we are connected with people around the globe. Um, although we might be working from home, we could still do missions, missions, um, or whatever, uh, by praying for our coworkers and clients and people we serve. So for example, right now, although I'm in Washington, DC, I pray for my colleagues in Afghanistan and Syria and the people that we serve over there. Um, and I will return the question to you, Brett. What excites you most about missions in our generation? I think one of the things that's super exciting about missions in our generation, and you touched on this a bit, but especially around tech, like yeah, tech in particular, we're just so connected um, and there's just, tons of potential to get creative, find ways to connect demand for talent with people all over the world. Um, in fact, we're actually, we're currently creating a program where we send interns from um, colleges and universities in the U.S. We're sending them to Central Asia um, to be trained by Central Asian programmers. Um, and so this sort of, um, we're able to, you know, send Americans to uh, Central Asia to be trained. We have Central Asian programmers coming to the U.S. Um, and we're working together pretty much every day over, you know, Zoom calls, that sort of thing. And yeah, we found that this sort of model, we, well, for one, we're welcomed in the community. Mm -hmm. um, we almost, well, we pretty much never have the same trouble getting visas that other foreigners in the country have. Um, and one of the things that we found just super valuable is we're, we're able to be honest about who we are, why we're there. And, you know, they, they know that we're believers. They, you know, we're telling them what we believe. We, you know, answer questions about Jesus, but they don't resent us for it because we're not, they don't see us as like a threat um, to them. So yeah, doing business for transformation like this, we're able to spend 
40 hours a week with the same people. Um, you can build really close relationships. We eat lunch together, get to know their families, celebrate things together. Um, and yeah, you also, you, you deal with difficulty together and you, through this, you get to show people who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. I think, I think one of the other things that excites me, um, is, you know, doing software with, um, with Central Asian developers is just the way people come alive when you mm-hmm. empower them, when they, um, when they discover that they're really good at something. Um, so in our case, our office, you know, came, we became super close friends with each other. Um, and yeah, I guess through that, you just get a lot of honest questions about, you know, why we do the things we do. Um, in fact, one of my favorite stories, there was, this was right after we started the, um, the business, but, um, I think it was, it was probably four or five months after we, we started the business, but our office was broken into, uh, they didn't take a ton of stuff, but, you know, they broke through the doors. They took some laptops. They took some, um, not a lot of cash and stuff. So the losses weren't terrible, but people were quite upset. Um, and I, I remember the founder of the company who was, he was an American guy, just, you know, super passionate about the gospel. He was one of those, um, yeah, business for transformation entrepreneurs, I guess. Uh, but he called everybody together and, um, <laughs> the the business or the uh, the building owner in particular was just fuming. He was he was furious about all this. Um, but we called everybody together and prayed, um, and in particular prayed for the guy who um, who who had robbed us. Um, prayed that you know prayed a blessing over him. Asked that whatever circumstances had brought him into this place, you know, that God would restore him, lift him up, um, and I guess. Yeah, the, 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 the other employees were just shocked, really, you know, about the way that this was handled. Um, they were expecting him to curse the man. And through all this, there were just so many questions about what we believe and why. And, um, you know, this isn't an everyday event, but you run into difficulty every day. Mm-hmm. And so there's just so many opportunities to show who Jesus is to mm-hmm. people who otherwise would have very little interest in hearing about him. Mm-hmm. And so to bring this all back, I, I think in our generation, we have an unprecedented opportunity uh, to live in communities and disciple people that would otherwise have no exposure to the story of Jesus. And a lot of this is because of this interconnectedness that just did not exist before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's always encouraging to hear that story. Um, so the next question is, what challenges do you see for missions in our generation? Um, yeah, for sure. One is comfort. It's Mm. fairly obvious, but I think the places that have the most need, um, both places that have the most like physical need and also spiritual need come with a lot of difficulty. So that's that one I think has always been there, but is it's always going to be something that you know prevents people from from doing this sort of work. Uh, another one I believe would be paralyzation. Uh, we have tons of access to information and opportunity, and it's really easy to be always focused on you know the trendy cause, the cause du jour, and you end up not making any difference in what you really care about because you're so busy focusing on the new thing every day and it's always changing. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the 
business for transformation world, um, I'd say there's a lack of role models. It's something that more and more people are getting into. It's gaining momentum, but it's not something that a lot of people have exposure to. Mm-hmm. What do you see as big challenges to missions in our generation? Um, yeah, I see a couple. Um, one is the fear of doing harm or even being criticized for trying to do something good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we live in a culture where social media is everywhere and it's easy to sit back and just criticize behind a screen um, or be criticized by people behind a screen. And like Brent mentioned, it is paralyzing. There's so much information out there that, yeah, you're just paralyzed and you don't know what to do. Um, and I think the other thing is that um, we are dealing with the repercussions of those who have done harm, um, such as colonialism and exploitation, um, mm-hmm. which we th- yeah, it might have been tainted in a way or like used as a way for like better development. Um, so it's important to educate ourselves about the history of colonialism and how the spread of Christianity um, was not always a pretty picture. And, um, and that raised a lot of, and raises a lot of ethical questions. Um, and also we need to educate ourselves uh, about um, how well-intentioned mission work or even philanthropy work have caused serious harm. So there's an example of a church here in the U.S. Um, that sent boxes to Ukraine after the fall of the Soviet Union. And this was happening for a few years. Um, but it created a system of dependency and it hurt the local economy. Um, so the church pivoted and they uh, started providing small loans um, to help people um, sustainably lift out of poverty on their own with small loans. Um, And the organization Hope International was developed. Um, So it's, yeah, they're just different ways to um, do good work without causing harm. Um, And humanitarian development communities recognize the harm caused by well-intentioned actions. So the first step is to acknowledge it, learn from it, and do it differently. And if you're interested in learning more about this, I highly recommend watching the documentary Poverty Inc. And I'll say that lastly, and it hits home, um, is fear of parents' approval. Um, A lot of us have parents who sacrifice so much to provide better lives for us here in the U.S. So we feel like we owe them by getting safe, well-paying jobs. And although this is not a bad thing, um, it's easy for people to not fully use the gifts to serve God, uh, use their gifts to serve God because of the the bondage of obligation to our families. Um, but I believe that with Christ and his guidance, uh, we can write a more powerful immigrant story where God's love is shared more widely. Oh, I really like that. All right. Uh, what is what is one word of encouragement or challenge that you'd like to say to Cornerstone Church or more broadly to your generation about missions? I'd say that the word that comes to mind is seek. Genuinely ask God how you can partner with him in sharing his love to those around you in every season of your life. 
Matthew 7, 7 says, seek and ye shall find. So seek God um, and have an open mind on how he can use you to spread his love around the world with your gifts and passions. And I return a question to you. What is one word or encouragement that you like to say? Um, yeah, I'd say innovate. Talk to people who have similar passions. Um, don't put Jesus in a box. Mm -hmm. So I think whatever we do, um, yeah, when we do it as worship to God, we can do it better. So we can do microfinance better because we're not just focused on the finance, but we're also focusing on transforming lives and communities. Um, yeah, we can do software better because we're, you know, not just programming, but we're also empowering people and we're, you know, doing more than just exploiting cheap labor. And yeah, I think we can even do humanitarian work better because we bring a hope and a peace that can only be found in Jesus. So yeah, I strongly believe that this concept of a voda uh, is for everybody. Um, so whether you're overseas or or you're at home in the U.S., yeah, we're just really excited to see the opportunities that are available to our generation um, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and, and to do it in really creative ways. Yeah. Um, and we have shared some resources uh, that have been helpful to us. So we hope that will be helpful to you. Um, so, yeah, thank you for listening. Bye. All right, we can put the slide up of the resources that they shared with us. Um, and if you want to, you can take a picture of this slide. There will also, we'll put this and some other resources in the e-news that will come out tomorrow. If you would like to connect with Katia and Brent, um, then talk with me personally and I will give you their, um, their contact information. Our second story this morning is from Dave Zimmer. And um, we've supported the Zimmers in Southeast Asia as well. For over 10 years, our church has supported them. Um, this last year, they had to leave their host country because of political upheaval. And, um, and we asked Dave if he would come and share his story of mission. And then after he shares, I'll come up and we will pray for him. Dave? Good morning. Uh, it's really good to be here with you all. As uh, Bill said, Cornerstone has supported us and prayed for us for 10 years, I guess it is now. So it's meant a lot to us and to our family. Um, you even sent a mission team out a few years back, and that was such an encouraging time for us and a blessing just to be able to fellowship and kind of show the team where we lived and, you know, what we're doing. And we were just so um, encouraged that, you know, you all would send someone, you know, literally as far around the world as you can get. Uh, just to visit us and encourage us, and we're blessed by that. So thank you for that. Uh, we served in the country of Myanmar for nine years. Myanmar is in Southeast Asia, just north of Thailand. And um, as Bill said, we had to leave about a year ago because there was a military coup. Uh, it's very dangerous there right now. There's basically a civil war uh, going on, and that mixed with COVID kind of beyond our control led us to move back to the U.S., and we had been transitioning back to the U.S. Uh, for this past year. I got a job as a Salesforce administrator, so we're kind of, we're living in the Hartford area and just fully putting down roots here now. Um, I wanted to share this morning, <clears throat> excuse me, some convictions that God has built in our hearts over the nine years that we were on the field, and just share those with you. 
Excuse me. And uh, I want to start off with this, this passage from Luke 4. And this really became kind of a theme passage for us as we're on the field. And um, this is Jesus as he's just beginning his ministry. He's kind of laying out, he's saying, this is what my ministry is about. This is what my mission is about. Um, and, you, and I'll read the passage here. Says, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When he, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So um, just as Jesus was sharing, you know, this is what his ministry is going to be about, his earthly ministry, uh, I wanted to share just some kind of core convictions that um, our time on the field was about and, and lessons that God taught us. So the first one is unreached, and, uh, you know, Brent and kind of talked about this as well, but um, our conviction as we were going to the field preparing was for the unreached, people who had never heard about Jesus before and don't have enough people in their own ethnic group to share the good news with them, and probably don't even have a church within their own ethnic group. Um, I know this, this kind of month is about the new face of missions, and I think that that's awesome, but I hope we remember that there are still many places in the world where there are people that have never heard about Jesus. And just as our Savior is a Savior who would leave the 99 sheep to go find the one lost sheep, and I think... God, God's heart is for those who have not yet heard about Jesus, and I hope we have that same heart for them as well. So Myanmar is a Buddhist country. Uh, the, the ethnic group we were reaching out to, the Bamar, they are less than 0.1% Christian. They have no indigenous church, and so many people we met there, they've never met another Christian in their own ethnic group. They've never heard of Jesus. They've definitely, definitely never heard uh, the gospel or read the Bible, or even met another Christian. And um, so that was our, our heart and our conviction as we, as we went to the field, and that remained our conviction uh, to this day. So the unreached, um, the next conviction we had was living in community. And this was something, you know, as we were preparing and going to the field that uh, we wanted to be um, an aspect of our ministry. And uh, we wanted to live as part of a local community and so for us, that meant um, moving and living there, obviously, but also learning the language, eating the local food, dressing appropriately, following the traditions of the culture, and just living you know, as part of that community. And most importantly, that meant uh, being a good neighbor, you know, just getting to know our neighbors, having close friends and friends that were um, part of that community, and just immersing as part of the community. And so Jesus, as he as he left heaven, his rightful place, by the Father's side to come and become a human, right? To experience the, the difficulties and the struggles and the suffering of being human. And not only that, but he enculturated as a first century Jew, right? He learned the language, or he spoke the language, uh, he ate the food, he lived in that culture, he worked as a carpenter. 
in, and according to that same model, that was our conviction to be part of a community and um, to want to be a blessing to that community as we, we lived among them. And um, in light of that, you know, as we, as we arrived in Myanmar and as we lived as part of the community, we were just completely overwhelmed by all the needs uh, that surrounded us. You know, Myanmar is a very, it's a developing country. Uh, there's just so much poverty, people um, not being able to find food, not being able to have access to clean water, to education. Um, we were just surrounded by these needs that were so overwhelming to us. And, you know, in Myanmar, even what would be considered an upper middle class uh, family, by American standards, they're living in poverty, you know. And I know there's a lot of uh, complications in those dynamics. It's not, you know, apples for apples, but um, just to give you an idea of, you know, the kind of context we were in. And God really began to form this conviction in our hearts that it can't just be about um, living here and then going over there and kind of sharing this message about Jesus. But there, if we're really loving the people there as God loves them, um, how could we not use our resources to, to serve and to care for them and to meet these physical needs and these emotional needs that they have as well? And so the opportunities were endless. We had uh, food donations for the hungry. Um, we provided water filters um, for those who didn't have access to clean water, teaching English. Um, and my main role there as uh, my visa identity, you know, the way that I got my visa was, uh, I was the manager for a startup program. So basically we helped uh, young people and uh, low-income people to get some basic business training, to have mentorship, and we provided financing so that they could start their own businesses. And um, so that we're not, you know, creating a dependency, as uh, Brent was saying, but that um, we were empowering them and enable them to start their own business and, um, you know, to, to be able, we saw women being able to provide for their families and to provide for their kids' education. Uh, many young people who were able to just grow in their capacity and um, gain this knowledge and experience and uh, have resources to be able to have a hope for a better future for themselves. And so that was a huge blessing that we were, be able, we were able to be a part of that. Um, our first year there, unexpectedly, uh, my local, our local church partners asked me to create a computer basic training program. So I created this kind of curriculum and we provided some laptops um, just, you know, for people who had never used a computer before, which, you know, nine years ago in Myanmar, nobody had cell phones, nobody had um, access to computers. So we were able to do that and train some of the local young leaders in this church. And what they did is they brought that program out to an unreached village and provided that training for the young people there. And through providing that free of charge, it really just opened the hearts of the people in that village. And they were able to eventually plant a church there. And so it was a village that had never had a Christian church, you know, throughout history. And um, now they had their first church and there's um, about 20 people that came to Christ through that. So that was an awesome, just a blessing in a way, you know, that we saw that as we we're loving people through meeting their, their physical needs, that opening their hearts um, to hear the message about Jesus as well. Uh, another uh, kind of core conviction that, that we, we gained through the, our time there was the local church. And one of the greatest blessings of our time in Myanmar was being able to partner with 
this local church. And you see there, there's a picture of uh, Pastor Kwong and his wife, who is the pastor of the church. And it was just a small kind of village church, about 30 people. We met, you know, in the upstairs of his house. We sat on the floor, and it was very, very much like a family-style kind of environment. And um, we, after a few years in Myanmar, we actually moved out to a very rural area where we were the only, quote-unquote, foreigners in the whole area. We didn't have a team. Uh, but this church, which, which was about a 30-minute drive from our house, they really became like our family, and they became, you know, our team and our closest friends, and we were just so blessed uh, by our friendships with them. You know, Pastor Kwan, he became uh, my best friend. We prayed together. You know, we served together. We shared meals and fellowship and had fun together. You know, I remember uh, one time when our, our family, we were sick with the flu or something like that, and he got on his motorbike and put his wife and his two kids on the back, and they drove 45 minutes to our house just to come uh, and to pray for us, you know, because we were sick. And um, just so that was the kind of relationship that we had and, and the blessing that we had through that that local church partnership. And through um, working with the local church, I just think it's so much more effective because they understand the culture and they're part of the culture. And they're the ones who are who are there who are reaching out already. Um, and so our model was not, it wasn't, you know, me leading from up front. It wasn't me kind of leading from behind the scenes, but it was really our family just coming alongside as part of the church and working together with them and saying, you know, what can we learn from you and saying, how can we serve you and, and what can we do um, to help the goals and the passion that you have to reach your community with Jesus. And, and that was just a huge blessing. And I think, you know, whenever we have an opportunity to do that um, in a context where there is a local church, I think it's great to partner with local churches and in, in our mission work. Uh, the final thing I just wanted to talk about was uh, authenticity. And authenticity, what I mean by that is just like being real, you know, being yourself um, in the context of missions work. There's a verse, Second uh, Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And this is Paul writing. He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So, you know, for us, uh, life in Myanmar was, it was really hard. I mean, it's, it's constantly hot and humid, so you're always kind of sweating. There's not a lot of air conditioning available. Um, during the monsoon season, which is like three or four months of the year, there's just daily torrential rain and downpours and everything's kind of soggy and moldy and, and muddy. And uh, during our first few years there, there was very, very little access to internet. Um, and on top of that, you know, it's just the language barrier and trying to adjust to another culture and the frustrations that go along with that. And it was, it was really hard uh, for us. Um, and so I think the, temptation. And you know, when we move there, of course, it's kind of like becoming a toddler again. Like you can't speak the language. You don't know how to get from place to place. You don't know how to find food for your family. You just kind of feel very helpless. And it's a very humbling experience for us. And uh, I think the temptation for us was to put on like a strong front. And because, you know, we're supposed to be these model missionaries, you know, and we're supposed to 
by our impressive lives and by our great family and through all these great things say, hey, look at our lives. And if you follow Jesus, you could, you could be like this too. I think that was the temptation for us, especially, you know, in a culture that's really big on saving face and on, on putting on, you know, the best front. Um, but what we found was that, um, and as Paul is saying in this verse, the gospel is not shared best by showing your strength, but the gospel shines through when you show your weakness, when you're vulnerable and real and able to have uh, those kind of moments in your relationships. And the, the times when we were able to humble ourselves and ask our neighbors for help, like how do we find food, right? Our, this thing in our apartment is broken, can you help us to fix it? And those times when we were able to just share our struggles and, and our weaknesses and the difficulties we were having with our friends, uh, those were the moments where we really felt that we were able to connect on a deeper level and really able to show that, you know, we are human. We're all human in, the, in this situation together. Um, but there's this eternal hope that we have in Christ, right? And there's this power of the gospel um, in our hearts that, that can shine through through that. And I think, you know, that's not just for, for missions work, of course, but that's the universal thing that um, through our, our vulnerability, like through, through our weaknesses, that Christ's light can shine the most brightly and that hope that we have in our hearts can really shine through. And, and I think that's a model, um, you know, for missions that we're not coming from someplace above and, and you know, giving like the good things that we have, you know, whether it's the gospel or money or you know, training, but we're really coming from a place of being alongside, right? We're all human together. Um, we all struggle, but we have this amazing hope in the gospel that we have to share. And so that was something that God really ingrained in us and, and taught us throughout those years. You know, finally, um, I didn't mention prayer and the word of God as core convictions. I didn't, I didn't have those, but I kind of assumed that, you know, that, that goes without saying, but I would really ask you to, to pray for the people of Myanmar and for the church in Myanmar. Um, they're going through a lot of suffering right now and, and a lot of struggling as, you know, this authoritarian regime is terrorizing the nation. Um, just, I can't really go into a lot of details, but um, they're really going through a hard time right now. And there's a civil war. Uh, there's a lot of uh, fighting back, you know, that's happening. But please pray for Myanmar. Pray for the people there that you know, justice would prevail, and especially praying for those that don't know Christ, that um, through the church there and even through this horrible situation that um, that God would be at work and that the light of Jesus would shine there. So I would ask you to please pray um, for Myanmar and pray for the, the people and for the believers and, and non-believers there as well. Thanks. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Dave and his family and their willingness to uproot and go to a foreign land where they were like toddlers because they wanted to share the love of Jesus with people who, who others weren't even trying to reach. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their courage. And we pray for them now. And thank you for bringing them out of the, the violence safely. We pray for their family now as they are transitioning to live in the U.S. And all of the challenges 
that it takes to do reentry when you've been gone for a long time. We pray that you would bless their family, that you would give them grace, that you would give them community, and that you would show them the future that you have for them. And too, Father, we pray for Myanmar. Um, having been there to visit Dave with the, the vision team, I can't, I can't read a news report about Myanmar without praying for that country. It had been through so much. And then for a while there was, there was hope, and, and much of that seems squashed right now. So we pray for that country. We pray for protection for the vulnerable. We pray for, for Zimmer's friends who are caught in the middle of this. And we pray for the church that is there in Bago. Lord, we, we want to be faithful to intercede for that nation. So keep us, keep us alert and attentive. And Father, as we're continuing our focus on global missions this month, help us to, to pray, maybe more than anything else, help us to pray that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would be your witnesses, that we wouldn't hear other people's mission stories, but that we would be living our own mission stories. In Jesus' name, amen.